in blood, saying, I didn't even reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. That Jesus standing in front, you weren't able to even recognize Jesus standing in front of you except for the Father revealing to you. You know? You know, you can know all about God and miss God. You can have all kinds of facts and knowledge about God. The Pharisees had the uh, had the law, the first five books, and all the prophets memorized, but they missed the word made flesh manifest amongst them. Like that's scary, you know? But it's also exciting. Because it means that when I do walk in relationship with God, I get the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So I see Paul all the time. I pray that you would receive, it's in all of his letters, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Even Peter sitting here, Jesus is like, I got I to gotta go and I gotta, uh, I'm going to die and then I'm going to resurrect on the third day. They try to come take Jesus. What does Peter do? He picks up a sword and cuts the dude's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Live by the sword, die by the sword. And then heals the dude's ear. You know, I can't imagine what the uh, the guard was thinking, can you? Like, he's like, he's probably like, the shot of having his ear chopped off probably hasn't even settled in yet when Jesus grabs it and puts it back on and heals it. And he's probably just going, uh, 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 you know? Can you imagine? I know I would be like, we like to say we would be like cool and fall down and be like, oh, Messiah and worship him. He's probably sitting there and his head's spinning, you know? He's yeah. like, what is going on? Uh, but, you know, Jesus is good. And so... Sometimes we have these ideas and these, these thoughts about things um, or things about God that just aren't right, you know? And, um, and there's a lot of teaching out there, you know, a lot of different things and um, doctrines and things that have come up and good ideas, and, and then there's some that are just false teachings that tickle the ears, you know? And so um, Paul said one of his main jobs to the body in purifying the bride was taking captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He says, we pull down vain imaginations that exalt themselves up against the knowledge of God. What is that? It's, it's really an idol. It's, a, it's an image of God we form in our minds um, that don't really, aren't really the truth about God. You know? It's like, you know, the Bible, Paul said this, behold both the kindness and the severity of God. It's like, I really like the kindness part about God, but I don't want the severity part about God, so I'm going to form a God that's only ever kind, and that's the God that I'm going to worship. But that's an idol. That's not worshiping God as he is. We must accept him and receive him as he fully is. And, and sometimes in our minds, uh, in, in our humanistic thinking, you know, we have the mind of Christ, but we're having to be renewed into that. Paul said, I'm transformed by the renewing of the mind that I may prove and show forth what? what the will of God is. And so there is a process. When we got born again, we received uh, a new nature. That nature wants to live right, wants to live righteous. Uh, but we also receive the mind of Christ. So that means that any thought that comes in our mind that doesn't line up with the word and nature of Christ means I can reject it as not mine. Does that make sense? I, I'm going somewhere, I promise. Uh, you know, it's really freeing, though. It's really freeing because... If you go to, I know, where's uh, Tony, who, by the way, Tony is the one who really helped us get this place, so can you guys just give it up for Tony? They just jumped right in. They're like, yep, we're family. We're taking care of this. It was just wonderful. I love his beautiful wife. He's so sweet. Uh, so anyway, he would tell you, he, he does, um, it, it's psychiatrist the proper term. Um, he would tell you, like, a lot of times, I guarantee you, he deals with people who are wrestling with thoughts. 
and they're wrestling with faults. But as a, as a Christian, do you understand that you have the right to reject every thought that doesn't line up with the nature of Christ? You don't have to say that that came from me. You know, if you were to come to him in the world, you know what I'm saying? Say he doesn't have an understanding. If you were to go to another type of psychiatrist, say he wasn't born again, and he didn't understand the Bible, right? Well, he would tell you, yeah, you know, maybe you're bipolar. You know, well, you're, you're hearing one thing, but you're desiring to do another, and you're wanting to do this thing, but you're not doing it. But really, he's been in Romans, and he sees where Paul says, the things that I don't want to do, those I do. The things that I, I would do, I don't do. Who can help me? But then it goes on to say, praise be to Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you got born again, you received a new nature and a new mind to think like Jesus thinks. Okay? So the cool thing about that is when that liar, that serpent of old comes along and he whispers something about you and says, you know what? You're not the best husband right? that you could be, man. You're, you're not the best husband. You're, you're not the best a daughter that you could be. And you hear that, and they start coming in there. And I'm not talking about conviction. I'm talking about condemnation, because there's a difference. God does chastise. But I'm talking about shame and things like that. And you start having those thoughts. You, according to the Word of God, have permission to not accept those thoughts as yours. But the world would say this, well, yeah, you just have, you know, low self-esteem. There's something wrong with you. You know, it's inside of you, and it's something wrong with your mind. Well, I'm just depressed. No, the Bible says that it gives me a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Depression is a spirit. And when I recognize that thing comes in and lies to me and tries to, to, to set its hook to me, or condemnation comes and tries to set its hook to me, or anxiety comes and sets its hook to me, I don't have to say, well, I have anxiety. No, I am free. I actually have peace, and that's the truth of God. I have peace. Not peace as the world gives, but my peace, he says. That means, guess what? That, what kind of peace does Jesus have? He's sitting in a boat, laying in a boat, asleep. You know, and like this massive storm is going on around him, and he's just chilling. You know, and the disciples are freaking out, and they're like, hey, wake up. You know, well, aren't you, don't you even care? And he's like, he's like not even offended about the storm. He's actually offended that they think that he doesn't care about them. He's like, have you lost your mind? You know, I can just see Jesus like there. What are you? Have you not been walking with me? Uh, have you not seen me multiply bread? Have you not seen me heal the sick? Have you not seen me cast out devils? Like, didn't I tell you I'll die for you? Don't the scriptures, like, don't you know? What do you mean I don't care for you? Rebukes the storm. You know, he's not even really phased at all. That's the piece he's talking about. That all hell can be breaking out around me, but heaven's inside me. That's that peace, and that's the truth, man. And so we have to understand this thing. We have to allow the, the washing of our minds in the water of the Word. Because you're going to be brainwashed by something, regardless, whether it's what you watch on TV or, you know, see, thankfully, he can watch a movie like Taken, okay? He can watch that movie, and because his mind is washed in the water of the Word, God actually speaks through it. Does that make sense? It, it all even comes about Jesus. It all becomes about bringing glory. Everything you do becomes about him. Why? Because you think like him. And he's the word made manifest. Right? So it's like I'm seeing him in everything. I, oh, whoa, I'm always looking for Jesus. Because I'm thinking like that. That's real freeing. That I don't have to receive these like labels. And it's real freeing too because this is how the devil works. And I, I didn't mean to go here today. I actually have a whole other thing planned. But it's okay. This is how the devil works. 
He likes to walk up and he likes to go. And then, and then all of a sudden, it go, and then all of a sudden, it goes like this. Then the next very next second, it goes, "You're a Christian. You shouldn't be having those thoughts. What are you doing? Why are you thinking that?" That's how the devil works. He literally implants a thought and then accuses you of it. And so now that you know that, you'll be able to identify and go, "Oh no!" The devil would love for you to think that when you got born again, it didn't stick. He would love for you to think that. You still got a lot of work left to, to do. And we're all growing in Christ, but it's finished. The work's not over. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. If you die right now, you're with him. I got a shirt on. It's a forgiven, redeemed, justified, liberated. I am, have been, and am being. Amen? Like you don't have to receive these things from the enemy. You don't. Like, I want you to be free from that. You know, lustful thoughts, they're not yours. You're not struggling with lust. If you still have the spirit, and we need to cast that demon out of you, and that's okay, too. That Jesus went about casting out devils. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's common. It shouldn't be weird or put back in a back room. Actually, it's evidence that the kingdom of God is moving amongst you. He said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if I don't see casting out the devils going on, I'm kind of curious what is actually happening. Because is the kingdom of God even around? So, you know what I'm saying? If it's been put about, why are you ashamed of the kingdom? Anyway, I'm getting off track. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. But do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's one thing. Okay? But sit there and say, well, I'm still struggling with lustful thoughts. Or, I, I'm sure. Here's how to know if it's a thought implantation, oppression, or something on the inside of you. All right? I, I'll give you this. Uh, from the outside, trying to get in, it'll, you often feel it as such. It feels like it's on you, and it feels like it's pressing you, and it, it all, all of a sudden it comes upon you. There's been days I'll wake up in the morning, and I just feel a heaviness trying to, like a blanket, try to be through. It's very similar um, to, if you notice today during worship, it was like a peace blanket came in. It was like the Lord just drug a blanket and just laid it on the servant. It wasn't this super wow, which we've seen. It wasn't the fire of God. It was a it was a peace, which I just love however he wants to come. I may have a preference, but I love Jesus. And so, you know, that's like that's like I love my wife. I may have a preference that I like best what I like best about her, but how many you know I still have to love every part of her? You know? <laughs> I don't get to say, well, I love this, but all this, now nah, I don't want it, you know. No, we're in covenant relationship. I want to receive all, all of who you are, you know. And so the enemy often works like that. It, it, he'll come and, and he'll try to put something on you. Well, the Bible says he gives you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. So one way to get rid of that is just to start praising and worshiping God and deliverance. But, but anyway, I, I'm trying to teach you to understand and identify the way, workings of the enemy and how he works. Why? So you won't give a foothold for him. You won't give place for him. So you'll be able to identify it. Also, too, you need to understand who you are. You need to understand what the Word says about you. That you have been bought with the blood of Jesus. And that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Most High God. That means no demon has a place to try to come sit inside the temple of God. You've got to be evicted. You gotta go. Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Like the greatest, 
most powerful substance dwells inside of you. Do you understand that the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep when God said, let there be light, and he made it come to pass? You understand that, right? Behold, over the face of the deep, the spirit brooded, hovered over the face of the deep. God spoke, okay? Father God sitting on the throne, Jesus is the word that came out of Father God, God's mouth, and the Holy Spirit is the power that made it work. Does that make sense? There's a light switch over there. I flipped it on right in an offering, okay? It's like the Father walks over to the switch. The switch is Jesus. He flips the switch, and the power that runs to the light is the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? That's how the triune Godhead works. That power is in you. It's in you. It's already there. It doesn't leave. It's in you. The God in you never leaves. Now, there's got a God upon you, an anointing that comes for service, and that's different. But the God in you, the Holy Spirit that is in you, never goes anywhere. You're sealed for salvation by the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment on your inheritance in heaven, in eternity. That's what it says. The Holy Spirit is the down payment for eternity. It's in you. You don't have to receive this stuff. You receive the mind of Christ. You don't have to take ownership of that. Well, I'm just struggling with it in my mind right now. I'm just having all these thoughts. No, the enemy is bombarding you with fiery darts. Paul says, take up the shield of faith, which can quench the fiery darts of the devil. What is the shield of faith? Well, what is faith? Faith is believing God is who he says, who he, says he is. It's believing he is Messiah, the Savior. It's believing that he'll do what he said he'll do, and it's believing that his way is the right way. So when the devil starts throwing lies at me, the answer is just believe God. Just believe. It doesn't matter what you're hearing in your head. It doesn't matter what he's trying to throw at what he says about, about you. The only person, the only place, I heard this said the other day, I think it was Todd White, which I don't know, did you see him repent? I loved it. It was so cool. I was like, praise God. He repented before he got exposed, and it's beautiful, you know, because God's doing that right now. He's, he's exposing a lot of junk, and it's the wind of the Lord. It's, it's happening across the board. Did you see Perry Stone just got exposed? I don't know if you saw that. It's super bad. He was, like, off. And God's just doing it, man. He's just doing it. And, and it's not anything to go, oh, it's actually really good, because he's purifying his bride, which tells me he's fixing the move. He's, he's purifying it. He's like getting it. It's like if I was going to go plant new seeds, I would go out and I would, I would, the Bible says to break up the fallow ground of your heart. It means the stony, the rocky ground and get all the things that could like prevent it. So like if I'm going to go plant a new garden and I'm going to plant new crops and it's time for a new harvest, I'm going to go and clear out all the junk out of the soil and make it nice and fresh and turn it up. Before, if you've ever done any kind of gardening, you know that to be true. You get all the stones out of it, you get all the weeds out of it, and you turn up the ground and, and fertilize it and make it pure before you plant. And that's what God's doing. It's super exciting. But anyway, uh, I heard him say this, and he, and he said this, and I've noticed this uh, with several ministers that have been exposed recently. And uh, one even within our, our, our area here, big, well-known church in our area said the same exact thing and, I'm, and when they say it I poked in my spirit and it stuck out and I go no that's not okay this is what they said the stresses of ministry well because of the stresses of ministry I did this and Perry Stone said well because of the stresses of ministry I fooled around with people that were under my ministry because of the stresses of ministry so what that tells me is 
What that tells me is they, they believe the lie. They believe the lie. Somewhere, ministry became a burden. Suffering for Christ became a burden instead of a blessing. Somewhere they believed. Somewhere the devil came along and said, oh, it's so hard being you. And they went, yeah, sure is. Uh-huh. And that's how it works. You only empower the liar when you believe the lie. If you don't believe the lie, the devil has no power over you. How do we know this? Because he couldn't come into the garden and take the keys of authority from Adam and Eve. He had to deceive them and get them to believe a lie before he ever even had power over them. And it's the same way. Uh, Paul said, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Unless we are. We know this is how he works. We know this is how he works, you know. He's, he's a liar and the father of them. Everything that comes, if the devil's talking, he's lying. If his mouth is open, he's lying. Okay? So why are we listening to him? Why do we even entertain it or wrestle with it? Shut it out. <laughs> no. It's 2020. I have access to this everywhere I want. I hear lies, I just instead go, truth. <laughs> Why do you think the Bible says that when you hear truth, it sets you free? Free from what? Lies. So lies are bondage. So the only bondage that can come on the believer is when the believer believes a lie. And when you believe truth, all the bondage is broken. It's broken. This, this comes along with healing. This comes along uh, with, with, with operating in the gifts of the Spirit. It's by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's not going to remove the faith factor because it'll remove your ability to please Him. He's not going to do it. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that what God said, who God is, who He says He is, will do what He says He'll do, and His way is the only, is the only way. And what's crazy is, we're listening to this, and I am too, but this is so good. But this is like elementary doctrine. This is foundational doctrine, faith in God. This is like, the, Paul said, we actually shouldn't have to go back and relay this. That we should already have this down and moved on when he's speaking to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 6, he lists, he lists six fundamental doctrines. It's, the, uh, it's repentance from dead works, faith in God, the laying on of hands, baptisms, uh, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. That, like, every, that, that means that every believer should be a master at those six things. Like you should be teachers. He said by now you should be teachers of doctrine. This stuff right here, the, the foundational stuff. But it's like we have to keep reading because we, like, we want to move on and we forget we're sheep, man. We're sheep. You know, you know, sheep will forget where water is if it weren't for the shepherd leading them to it. You know that? They, they literally can't find their own green pastures. That's why David says in Psalm 23, he leads me beside still waters. Right? He makes me lay down in green pastures. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I'll, I'll lack nothing. I heard uh, Brian Guerin said uh, um, something one time. He said, if there's lack in any area of your life, uh, it's according to, that's because, I'm probably murdering this, but 
He says, it's, it's the level of lack in your life is according to the level you haven't yielded to the Lord as your shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. And so whatever God shepherds over in your life, there is no lack whatsoever. It's so good. So, message part two. Um, we're going to talk about something in this realm that many of us think have been taught or think wrongly about. And there's a really bad doctrine out there that actually even says that um, you don't ever have to repent again once you repent one time. And it, it's like rampant right now. It's super bad. Like, I, I've got people, I know people that have fallen off into that. I repented one time. I'm forgiven. God forgave me from every, everything I ever did, and he'll forgive me for everything I'm going to do, and I'm covered in the blood. You know, the Pope said that in the Crusades, and what they do, they went raping and pillaging, and you think that was okay? No, it wasn't. And not all of them. And I'm not taking a jab at the Pope. I'm just talking facts. In the Crusades, if you go research the Crusades, that's what they did. It's pretty wild. Does anybody know about, not know about the Crusades, if, if you've never heard about the Crusades? So you know that, like, at one point in time, there was a Christian king on the throne of Jerusalem for, like, hundreds of years. We basically, you know, were sanctioned by the church of that day, which is the Catholic church was the only church of that day, to go in and take over Jerusalem and all the holy sites where Paul preached in Antioch and all that. And they were going to try to hold it there until Christ came. Sounds a whole lot like Seven Mountain. But anyway, uh, it didn't, didn't work out too well. Didn't work out too well. Uh, so anyway, repentance is something that uh, unfortunately is looked at ugly. You know, it's like, ooh, repentance, ooh. All I think of repentance is I think of like being sorrowful or feeling down or, oh, I feel bad about that. Like we tie in repentance with I'm sorry, you know, like they're the same thing. But it's not so. Like we, we really have to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and the Word of God to wash our mind in the water of our Word to see that repentance is actually beautiful. Repentance is to be celebrated. Um, repentance has become this thing where people, uh, if there's ever an altar call or a call to repentance in a church, people sit in their seats because they're embarrassed. I've done it. Where they're, they're, they're embarrassed because they're like, oh, what are people going to think that I need to repent from something? Oh, my God. And it's like because it's become this thing like you're in trouble and you need to get right. That's part of it. That's part of it. But, man, when you start to see what repentance really is and what the Lord says about it, it changes everything. So let's look. We're going to get, what time is it? Oh, we're so good. We're so good. Uh, we're going to read a lot of scripture. Is that okay? I love yes. the Bible. If you haven't figured that out, out, out yet, did you know Billy Graham used, I can't remember, how, he said, it was like, I don't remember if it was 25 or 125 or whatever, but he used like a ton of scripture in his messages. And he was like, I don't have a message that I don't use this much. I don't have a formula for it, but I just love the word. Like, and I, I just want to, to, to be right with the Lord. I want to see rightly. I want to hear rightly. I don't care about my opinion. If it's my opinion, I'll give it to you. I'll make the distinction to say that this is what the Lord, how the Lord sees it. This is how I see it, and this is my opinion. I will never tell you uh, something that is is right and is of God if it's only my opinion. I'm not going to do that. I don't really into that because I don't care. I just want to die, you know. 
to my opinions and what I think is right. That's what God's invited us to do. Because if we think as God thinks, it's much better. If we see as God sees, it's way better. It's free because it's truth. And truth sets you what? Free. Free. Proverbs 1 and 2. The Proverbs of Solomon. This is the NKJV version. I love all versions. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. So what does the Bible say that uh, is evidence you're being wise? Is that you hear and you increase in your learning. That's evidence that you're becoming wise. What is wisdom? For those of you who don't know, what is the, my definition for, of wisdom? Do you remember? It's the how-to of God. Okay? It's the how-to of God. I can have uh, knowledge all day, but if I don't know how to apply it, I have nothing. Wisdom is how to apply knowledge about God in God's way. So it's like how to go about it in not only the ways of God, but the heart of God. Does that make sense? You can do the things of God outside of God's way. Do you know that? You can, you can do like the works and not do them God's way. It says that in, Jesus said in the last days they'll come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not do many mighty exploits in your name? But what does he say? Depart from me, I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. Meaning what? You did all the things I would have you do, but you didn't do them in my way. You didn't obey my commandments. You didn't, you didn't do the things uh, that are important to me. It's like, because you just, you don't know me. That's a scary thought. All right. So anyway, a wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will obtain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I love this because it lets me know anytime I don't feel like learning, I'm being foolish. Anytime I feel like I've arrived or I've got it figured out, or I know. Oh, I know. I heard it said once, if you say that you know and you don't know, you'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they, they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like hell, shale. Uh, and whole and most like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil, casting your lots among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They work secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. 
Wisdom calls aloud outside. She runs. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourse at the openings of the gate in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Listen to this. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. We look like repentance is only something that we, we, we think repentance is, sorry, we think repentance is something we should only do when we're in trouble. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, turn at my rebuke. I'll pour out my spirit and I'll make known to you my words. So often when we're not hearing from the Lord or we're not experiencing his spirit, it's because we've not turned at his rebuke. Like repentance and turning at the rebuke of, rebuke of the Lord are an invitation to encountering him. My presence in my voice. What did he just say? He just said, I'll pour out my spirit on you. It's his presence. And I'll make known to you my words. That's my voice. The highest priority in all of life is the presence and voice of Jesus. There's nothing else. Where else can we go? You have the words of life. We talked about it at the beginning of service that Israel went nowhere unless the presence lifted and moved. The presence and the voice. Is everything. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you, listen to this, and you refuse. So failing to repent. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distresses and anguish come upon you. We don't like to hear that. But God said it. And if God said it, it's good. And it's just. Listen. Then they will call on me, but I'll not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. You know what the fear of the Lord is? It's simple, in the most simple uh, sense, it's being mindful of God. In the most simple sense, the fear of the Lord is, I'm about to make a decision, I'm about to do something, I, I, I'm about to not do something, and I, I am mindful that God is who he says he is, will do what he says he'll do, and his way is the right way. That's fearing God. It's being mindful of it. Being mindful of having faith, basically. Like, oh, I know there's a God in heaven and he sees. And I reverence him, you know. It's like um, the, one of the best ways I, I can ever put it is uh, those of you that are parents or have had parents, like, you know there's a difference when dad, like stuff that goes on in the house when dad's home and when dad's not home, there's usually a difference. You know what I'm saying? When the parent's home, the kids act a little different. Like if you had a camera recorder and you could follow your kids around, when they're not around you, they usually act different, you know? How many of you have gotten a phone call from a teacher, and the teacher's like, they're doing this and they're doing that, and you find it really hard to believe because you've just never seen that behavior because they ain't even doing it around you because they know there's consequences. Why? Because they, they reverence you as mom and dad. That's the fear of the Lord. It's the same thing. But see, God is always looking. God is, we just said it in the beginning of the service, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro the whole earth 
searching for a heart that is fully after him. And this morning, we're really going over one of the ways to be fully after him. And then it says that he might show himself strong on your behalf. It says, they would have none of my counsel. They despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. Listen to that. Their own way. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life, and it's Jesus. His is the only way. Your way is really the devil's way. You think you're doing it, well, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it according to my wisdom. I've been here before. I know how to do this. I'm going to do it my way. And you think you're doing it my way. You see, you think you have three choices. We all do. We think we have three choices. We think we have God's way, the devil's way, and our way. But it's really the God or the devil's way. The Bible says, uh, Paul says this. He says, they all were, just, uh, they all are, just as you once were, under the control of the demon spirit of this world. So you're either led by the ghoul or the ghost. It's one or the other. You're led by something. It's either a demonic spirit or the Holy Spirit. It's one or the other. I mean, you see it in the garden. They either obey God or the devil. They really couldn't do their own way. I've told the story, I don't know how many times, but there's a guy who's standing, he's, uh, or sorry, he's walking on a fence, and, uh, and God's sitting there saying, hey, come over here to my side. God's on one side, devil's on the other. God's saying, come over here to my side, guys, still walk on the fence. And God's like, come on, man, it's so much better, I promise you. It's so much better over here. You'll have peace over here. He's like sharing the gospel with him. You know, and the guy's just standing there, and the devil's standing there like with his arms crossed like this, you know. And he looks over at the devil, and he's like, why aren't you, you know, I'm about to jump over to God's side. Like, God, God's really trying to get me to go over his side. Why aren't you trying to get me to go on your side? The devil looks at him and says, because I own the fence, too. You already are mine. You're either God's or you're his. Like it's, it's, he says, you'll eat the fruit of your own way. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. What you like. Go ahead. Because guess what? It'll leave you wanting, empty, hollow. There's only one who fills. There's only one who satisfies. I love that song. Only you satisfy. So anyway, <laughs> for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacencies of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell in safety and will be secure without fear of evil. And his side of the fence is so much better. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment. So this, this tells me one thing. I don't have wisdom in me except what God gives me. The wisdom of men is foolishness to God. But often the wisdom of God seems foolish to men. You know, I can prove it to you right now. Speaking in tongues seems super foolish to men. I've been in Pentecostal churches uh, for half my life with Christ, and I've talked to I don't know how many people, and there's people still sitting in Pentecostal churches and coming and going, I still don't understand all this tongue stuff. Like, why is it still happening? I don't know. I, I do everything but the tongues. Tongues is weird to, to me. You know? But God says he who speaks in a, in, a, in a tongue edifies himself, builds up himself, strengthens himself. Right? Paul says, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. 
If I've got the enemy throwing stuff at me, darts trying to clog my spiritual ears, Jesus says, he who has eyes that see and ears that hear what the Spirit says. And Paul says, if I speak in tongues, it edifies, and then I should not only speak in tongues, but pray to interpret, which means what? I simply begin to speak in tongues, and then I have an unlocking, a supernatural knowledge of what I'm praying in tongues, and then all of a sudden, it's crazy. It's like wisdom starts coming out. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in my house just speaking in tongues, and then like some of the, the most potent messages I've ever released just, they just come out. Why? Because I interpreted my own tongues. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But it's good that the wisdom of God seems foolish to man. You know? How about I just believe God? It goes back to having faith. How about I just trust God that if I speak in tongues, I'm being edified? How about if I just trust God that I can speak in tongues and then I pray to interpret? God wouldn't tell me to ask to interpret if I couldn't do it. God never tells you to do something that his spirit won't empower you to do. He's not like that. God doesn't hold a carrot in front of you and say, run for it. He just keeps giving you carrots as long as you're running. Here's another one, and here's another one, and here's another one. But it takes faith. You have to believe it. But people are like, interpreting tongues, does that mean like the spirit's going to possess me and take over my body, and then all of a sudden I'm going to oh, I'm going to give a message? No. It's by faith. If you've ever given a prophecy... You know, typically, you'll receive one or a phrase, one word or a phrase. And then when you release that, the rest starts to flow. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God works through faith, right? And faith works by love. By God. Yes, if you cry for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, and if you seek her as silver, and search for her as hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. For his mouth, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Man, I'm telling you, this is. I'll give you a real life example. I uh, I got many of you know. Um, I took over a Red Wing shoe store. Um, I had no business background, no nothing. Um, I was a felon, like, you know, all this stuff. I had no business running a, uh, a, a shoe store, any of that. I actually got hurt. Um, I ended up getting healed through the, uh, the guy prayed for me, actually ran the shoe store, asked me to come work for him. I started working for him, and I got on the back of the truck, and I, all I was doing was the same thing I did every day, which was be alone with God and seek God. I didn't do anything different. I just saw God, and I walked through the doors that God opened. And I just did what it says, lovingly obey and seek him every day. And all of a sudden, I step on this shoe truck, and I don't know how, but I knew all the sizes, and I knew all the, the, the numbers and the styles. I did, I, I'm telling you, it's my first time. And I just knew where they were. He, he just gave me wisdom, supernaturally. Just I just knew how to do it. I don't know. I can't tell you. And the, the dude's, like, freaking out. He's like, whoa, how did you know this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, how do you know when I say 2340 exactly what it is? 10 and a half D. I, I don't know. I've never worked with you sort in my life. I was just started doing it, and he's like, oh, this is good. And he's like, I like this. And I've never, I don't even have to train you, you know? So then I come to work for him at the store, and I start selling. And I'm literally in the store just doing the same thing. And people would walk in, and I would hear the Holy Spirit say, socks. And then socks. And you go, yeah, socks. 
I'm like, okay, but hey, by the, by the way, do you need socks? And I'd start like selling accessories, and I would start selling accessories by the voice of the Spirit. And I became the number one salesman in the company because of the Holy Spirit would tell me. And some people, I'd, I'd try to go sell socks, and the Lord would be like, uh-uh, not socks, this. And I got all these extra bonus tag-on sales, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? To sell accessories. Boots sell themselves. You know, the accessories. And I became the number one salesman. And then when the guy went to go leave and, and transition out of the store, um, they asked me to be the manager. And so I went from making about 15 grand a year to 60 grand in a day. You know, I have no background. You have to understand, this was like mind-blowing for me. You know, I'm blown away. I don't deserve any of this. I didn't do, I actually didn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's really foolish. It was really foolish for them to even give me the job. You know? <laughs> and when they came back and they asked me, I'm like, are you sure? Do you understand what my background is? They said, as far as, far as we're concerned, that person's dead. And I was like, I know that's the Lord. That's the Lord. So then I had to run the company. So when I say manage the store, they weren't like there. They were gone. They're absentee owners. So if you manage the store, you run the company. You do the taxes, the bills. And like they do some of the taxes, that's it. But you do the day-to-day, bills, payroll, audit, audit all. Like I have never done this. So they, when they asked me if I could do the job, by faith, I was like, yep, yeah, uh-huh. But I had the sheep truck to go off of, you know what I'm saying? So I had history with God. I'm like, yeah, sure, uh-huh, I can do it, uh-huh. And then I sit down, and I'm like, God, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but it just did the same thing. I sought God. So I sat down at the computer, and all of a sudden, something like a download hit me, and I knew how to operate the computer. And the next thing you know, like, the company had been, like, 60 grand in debt. People just weren't paying their bills. I started asking the Lord, like, how do I do, go about that? Like, I don't want to call these people and ask for money. I really don't want to call these people and ask for money. Like, I don't know. So like, what do I do? I hear the Lord write a letter. I'm like, okay. What do I say? One. It was like one sentence. Hey, by the way, I think it was something like, hey, we've been checking our systems. It shows that you, you know, are late. We'd love to get this remitted uh, as soon as possible. Thank you. Something super simple like that. Laid hands on it, prayed it, sent it out. Sixty grand came back in like three months. Sixty grand. This is this has been owed for years. They wouldn't pay. 60 grand. Why? So foolish, man. You wrote one letter, no, you should have been calling them, hounding them, showing up. Like, that's what the world would have said, right? But the wisdom of God. It makes no sense. At all. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. How, how do we know we're upright? Man, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word. Thank you. Because it says that when I sin, if I confess my sins, repent. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Or non-uprightness. And he makes me upright, which then means what? I have sound wisdom laid up for me. So good. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Psalm 91, right here. He's a shield. He guards the path of the just and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. When you love God's knowledge and how God thinks and how God says to do things, relationally, 
and applying it God's way, then it becomes pleasant to your soul. Discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, you'll be able to discern, from those who leave the path of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, forsakes the companion of her youth. But wait a second, I thought like I was a man and I was like always subject to this stuff. And I need to like constantly be on guard and like watch out. Like I could fall into that, right? Or, or, or I could fall into a bad deal or lie or steal or do these things. But he's saying, if you seek me and turn at my rebuke, he's saying, I'll protect you from these things. It's quick, man. It's quick. The Holy Spirit, if you just listen, he's quick. No, 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 don't do that. You'll lose it. You'll feel that sickness in your stomach. I know I shouldn't do that. What's he doing? He's being a shield to you. He's protecting you. He's giving you wisdom. He's saying, hey, stay away from Don't make that deal. I've done it. I went to go make business deals with people, and I thought it was going to be, I was like, man, it's going to make a lot of money, and something just, ah. Told me, don't do it. Don't do it. And that goes back to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path, which means sometimes it don't make no sense at all. <clears throat> Everything on the outside looks beautiful and perfect and like it actually looks like a door from the Lord. But but God knows what's behind that door. And often He'll protect you, but He doesn't do it without faith, you know? We would love for God to explain what's behind the door. Before we say, okay, agree to not walking through it. But that's not really God's way. God's way is faith. It's believing Him. It's believing Him. For, and forsakes the companion of her youth who forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her path to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it what is he speaking about he's speaking about revelations he's literally saying i'm going to come i'm going to split the sky all the wicked are going to be judged because i'm going to burn the whole earth up heavens and earth are going to pass away but you'll remain forever with me on this upright path, this the way of Jesus. Hmm? Yeah, they're gone. Oh, we're good. Hosea uh, chapter two. I was reading Hosea and it just it ripped me up, man. Because like we're seeing some of this in America right now. Like we're seeing the Lord's hand um, for some of the stuff here. I'm not really going to go into that. What I want us to see here in Hosea chapter 2 is I want, I want us to see um, God shows you uh, what happens when you don't repent. And then he shows you what happens when you do repent. And what he's doing is he's showing you his heart. And ultimately what he's saying is like there may have been times when God rebuked you and you didn't turn. you know, And because of that, you ate the fruit of your own ways like we just read in Proverbs. But, like, God is so good that until that door is shut, you know, in the end, and the door shuts, and you're knocking on the outside, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Like, until that point, you can still turn. And then he tells you what he does when he, when he turns. And so I, I want us to understand that's what's going on here. So 
uh, Hosea chapter 2, listen to this. Bring charges against your mother. Uh, so really quick, though, to lay the context, if you've never read Hosea, I, it's, I read it the other day in one sitting. It's like, I think, six or eight, or no, it's like 14 chapters, but you can read it real quick. Uh, I, I would read the full book and get the full picture. But basically, Hosea is a prophet, and God comes to him and says, hey, go marry a whore. And he's like, wait, what? Again, that seems very foolish to man. God, what are you doing here? God's like, yeah, go marry a whore. And Jose's like, what? How would you like that assignment? Jesus, no. All right, anyway, um, <laughs> he says, Jose, go marry a whore. And so he does. He obeys her, and then they have he has a baby uh, with her, and God tells him to, to uh, name it a certain thing, and, and he, God's prophesying through Hosea's life. Many prophets, their life was the message, you know. And God would speak symbolically through what they would do, their acts, and their, their whole life would become a message. And so um, he, we're, we're picking up right there after the, the baby's born. And so he says, bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife. This is God speaking because it's capital M. See, my wife, nor am I her husband, capital H. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Least I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born. So repent or I'll expose you. Again, we're seeing this hit the body of Christ right now. Left and right, we talked about it in the service. Left and right, it's hit the body of Christ. Expose her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy on her children for they are the children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns. If you find your, your, your way is hedged up with thorns, watch out. It doesn't mean you won't run into trials and tribulations. That's different. That's different. We're not talking about that. You know, the testing of your faith, we're not speaking about that. You'll know. You'll be able to discern. But if it's like everywhere I go, bam, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, this hurts, that hurts, this is falling apart, that's falling apart. What did I do? What happened? He shields the way of the upright. And it's okay. Like, we need to learn these things because we need to, to know what the heart of God is in the ways of God so that we can identify them and repent. Because it's not an ugly thing. It's a good thing. I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her path. So like, I'm going to make her feel lost. Like, Lord, I don't even know where I'm going. How many of you have been? I've been there. You ever just feel like, man, I just, God, I just don't even know. I'm so confused. I have no idea. God's not the author of confusion. So when you know you're confused, you know something's allowed to have, it's been allowed. You believed a lie somewhere, and now the enemy's playing with your life. So she cannot find her past. She will chase her lovers, basically like, yep, I'll step back, and you go ahead and have your fill of that junk. But will not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. They're just going to leave you empty. You just keep going down that path. You keep doing that fruitless behavior. You keep doing that foolishness. 
uh, and that wickedness, and, and it's just going to leave you wanting. Then she will say, listen to this. Then she will say, it's, this is the prodigal son right here. Do you see it? It's the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son. He goes out, squanders everything, ends up in a pig pen, and he's like, listen, listen, picks up right here. Then I will, she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine, and oil. It gives us grain, new wine, and oil. It's good grain, it's good wine, and it's good oil. So let's take a step back. She was looking for her lovers who gave her oil and drink. So what is she doing? She's looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in other things than the Lord. She's looking for peace, righteousness, and joy from another source other than the Lord. That's essentially what she's doing. And multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. So basically, she took everything I gave her and gave it to other gods. Therefore, I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. I will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. And no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her myrrh to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and her appointed feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig tree, of which she has said, These are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the veils to which she burned incense. In other words, worship the, uh, uh, something other than me. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers. Listen to this. But she forgot me, says the Lord. We talked about just a minute ago in, in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is essentially being mindful of the Lord. So what is he saying was the ultimate cause of her Stepping off his path into her own way. She wasn't focused on him. She did not fear the Lord. She forgot him. She wasn't mindful of him, that he was right there. You know, the Lord said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you because he knew you would be in a position that the enemy would try to box you in with lies to convince you that you're alone and you're abandoned. He said, I will not leave you orphans, but I sent the helper. Let me tell you, God wouldn't have to send the helper if there weren't going to be times that you needed help. God wouldn't send the comforter if there weren't times where you were going to need to be comforted. He wouldn't call it the spirit of adoption if there weren't times you would be uh, enticed to feel like an orphan. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. What does uh, Jude say? Build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's speaking in tongues. Trust in God. Sometimes there's time. Like, why would we need to speak in tongues if there wasn't times when we would feel weak spiritually and we needed to be strengthened? Does that make sense? Like, all the things of God, not just speaking in tongues. That's just the example for right now. But all the ways of God are good. Worship the word, prayer, stillness before him, speaking in tongues, all of these things. She forgot me. She wasn't mindful of me. She acted like I didn't care. 
She acted like I wouldn't be there for her. She acted like I didn't give her all the silver and gold. She acted like I didn't give her all the grain. She acted like I didn't give her new wine. She acted like I didn't give her oil. How many times have we done that where God moves so powerfully in his service and the next day the devil comes knocking and we forgot what God just did. And we're like, oh, woe is me. And we're like, now I know why God encountered me in such a powerful way on Sunday because he knew Monday something was going to come and test that thing. And God deposited the strength. That's why he says, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves and don't leave the secret place. That's where life flows. She forgot me, says the Lord. But I love this. What a faithful husband. Listen to him. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. There's the comforter. I will give her her vineyards for there. I, I, and the valley of acre as a door of hope. So valley of acre actually translates to valley of trouble. And so another translation, and I, I prefer it, it says something like this. I will take the valley of trouble and turn it into the valley of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as, when, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. What is he talking about, the land of Egypt? If you don't know this, Egypt is a spiritual picture of the bondage of the life and sin. So what's he saying? I'll bring her back to that place in her mind, and I'll remind her of the day she got saved. Do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember the day you got born again? Do you remember the day you realized that everything you ever did wrong, God was just going to wipe it away and never remember it anymore? Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day like he washed you clean and what it felt like to be refreshed again and like it was like all that weight lifted over you? Do you remember the day you were delivered out of bondage and you felt so heavy but then it lifted and you were so light and you were so free? Let's fight to not forget that. Because what this is also showing you, yeah, come on. What it's also showing you is if that you don't forget it, you don't even have to go through that. But if you'll remember that, if you'll be mindful of the Lord, if you'll believe God and remember what he did, why was David in Psalms constantly reminding Israel of the, the deliverance from Egypt? He's like, hey, don't forget, God came in, stopped the enemy, and let us out in power. Same God. Split the sea. And, sh and sh it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer my master. It's time for some of us to mature from the, the, the vision of the Lord or the revelation of the Lord only as master and Lord. He is master and Lord, but he is husband. And it's time for the bride, his church, to mature into a bridal realm understanding that God is your husband. And for men, sometimes it's real hard for us to wrap around what that means. But it shouldn't, because especially if you're a husband. Yeah, you're doing it. And it's not about a sex. It's not about a male or a female. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Your maker is your husband. He's coming back for a bride. That's the ultimate, like, the ultimate maturity in Christ is to be a bride what he's coming back for. 
For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baal. So he'll take from your mouth all the other things that you seek satisfaction from other than him. And they shall be remembered by their name no more. And in that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them fly down safely. Again, this is Revelation chapter 22. Speaking of that day. Listen to this. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. That know is an experiential knowledge. It's not like I know of God. I know that Jesus is Messiah. It's actually I'll experience the person of God. I don't know if it was last week or I've said it many times, but the, the and I've heard it said before uh, that the kingdom of God is three parts and it's two part experiential. It's a one part position. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is positional, my position before God. I'm righteous before God because of what Christ said. But peace and joy are experienced. They're experiential. I experience peace. I experience his joy. Listen to this. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. That's the name of Hosea's son. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not attained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. How many of you know this was fulfilled in Jesus? God's prophesying in the book of Hosea what we're living in now. And I want to show you how to live in that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is the last verse. From that time on, Jesus began to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I just told you the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, right standing with God, peace, and joy, experiential. Now you want to come? Uh, experiential. What is Jesus saying? It says from that time on, so like, his message was repent, always repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It's right here. It's right within your reach. And what must you, must you do to obtain it? I must repent. Well, what is repentance? Let's define it. So in the Greek, it's metatone, metatoneo. Sorry. It means to change one's mind or purpose. It means to change the inner man, particularly with reference to the will of God. So it means to change my mind from what I think is right to lining up with what God thinks is right. It's a consciousness of sin, listen to this, with a token of sorrow that seeks God's pardon. So again, this is why many people think that repentance means I must be 
sad, and I must be sorrowful, and it must be a bad thing. Do you know that God, wow, thank you, Lord. Do you know, do you know that God in his, <laughs> in his power and his wisdom and his You know, God can be both sorrowful over sin and exuberant in joy at the same time. At the same time. God hates sin and loves the sinner at the exact same time. God cannot be okay with the things that you are doing and be madly in love with you all at the same time. He is not man. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I'm going to show it to you in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. It says this. Because you hated wickedness and loved righteousness, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your companions. This road is narrow, but it's full of joy and peace and life. Like, there's such a freedom in this way of living, this kingdom of God that, that comes through repentance and relationship. I'm well aware I wake up every single day in desperate need of repentance. Every single day. Every single day. I'm sure I'm not. There's something that I'm doing that, that is not the way God would have me do it. And I don't have to feel this condemning pressure like I don't measure up. That's such a lie from the pit of hell. I get to be excited about it because God filled me with his spirit and his kingdom is within me. I access that when I repent and change my life. I say, God, I want to do your way. Help me. And then the helper comes. Righteousness comes. Right standing with God comes. And then peace. And then joy. And I start to hate wickedness. I start to hate and loathe things. I don't like perversion. I, I, I dislike these things. I don't like doing things uh, without integrity, without honor, and without love. I enjoy mercy and righteousness. And I like justice. I love justice. You know, I love right standing with God. That's what he's saying. I hate wickedness and I love right standing with God. And then when this happens, God just smears us with oil of gladness. He comes and smears us with joy. And everything we thought we needed, everything we try to add to our life, God comes and shows you it's all Him. Every bit of satisfaction comes from Jesus. Everything you're looking for comes from Jesus. And this frees you up. It frees you up to love your spouse. Because now I'm not loving you to get something from you. I'm loving you because I have love to give. I'm already satisfied and I'm coming to actually love you because you're deserving of love. Not because I need something from you. I'm able to love my children purely. Purely because I don't need something from them. I get to love them as the Father loves us. Then I can love you. I don't need anything from you. I'm satisfied. Whether you amen, whether you come, whether you serve, whether you, doesn't matter. 
I'm already satisfied. I'm not fulfilled from you. I'm fulfilled from him. Jesus, help us. Let's pray. God, I pray right now. Just turn to the Lord right now. Maybe there's something you may, uh, as I was preaching, that tagged you in the heart. You said, man, I know that when I do that, that's not the way God would have me do it. Ah, uh, Lord, help us. Maybe you've looked at repentance as something that is ugly or, or, or sorrowful or and not joyful, but man, it's to be celebrated. It's to be celebrated. So right now, it's really just turning from the ways of the world and the ways of the wicked and turning to God. Let's do that right now in our heart. Jesus, afresh, God. We turn to you. We say your way is the right way. We turn, and your word calls them dead works because in them there is no life. And we turn to you who is life. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come. Fill with life now. As people begin to turn, fill with life and smear with joy. Right now, the oil of gladness, God, right now. Right now, years, just years, Lord, of condemnation and religion, God, just breaking off right now. That right standing with Christ brings such peace and such joy right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.